Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Find your tribe. Find your tribe. We don't want anybody at the end of this series not to have somebody to have lunch with and to have coffee with. We don't want anybody to ever come into CFA and not, have some, not know somebody in the lobby and not have somebody to sit with. This is, this is important. This is what I really believe. This is strategic for our church. So we're connecting Deuteronomy 1.8. Pastor, you're going fast. I know I'm going fast. I got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. So, so, so strap in. Here, here we go. Deuteronomy 1.8 says, look, I'm giving all the land to you. Go in and occupy it. Say occupy So that's our word for the year, and we're getting ready to step into Occupy 2.0 because you thought you were done occupying, but God said, no, you are not done occupying. You occupied to your level of comfort. I'm going to have you occupy until it's complete. Come on, somebody. We got to step in all the way, and we're going to occupy all of the promises. And and so, but this Occupy word, what the Lord is showing us is that Occupy in 1.8 is connected to Multiply in 1.11. So then Multiply says, and may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply multiply, say multiply, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as you promised. So your occupy is connected to multiply, but in this context, multiply is not a spiritual word. In other words, God zapped me with the anointing of multiply. Multiply in this context means more babies. And more babies happen in the context of relationship. So don't get nervous if you don't want a baby. I'm not going to pray for you to have a baby. But just understand the relational context of this word is sometimes we can over-spiritualize things. And God is saying maybe your next breakthrough is not a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe it's a relational breakthrough. Because here's here's what God wants for us in, in our lives is that we are all, that we're all connected. That's really, that's really God's heart. So, um, so you're all now, uh, you're all now on an airplane, all right? And, um, uh, I'm gonna, we're landing, so I'm gonna have to ask all of you to buckle your seatbelt. Go ahead and, if you'll just buckle your seatbelt. And, sir, your tray table is still down. If you could put that tray table up. And, um, we got some people leaning back, uh, up in that direction. So if you could return your seat to the upright position, and the people behind you are gonna be really happy because then, then they give you a little more knee room. So if you guys have just get ready to land and just pretend like you were on a, you're on a two hour plane ride and you're getting ready to come back to Charlotte and you're getting ready to touch down at Charlotte Douglas International Airport and if you were on vacation maybe you had a great vacation but you're ready to sleep in your own bed or maybe if you're on a business trip it was a good business trip and man you're just ready to, to see the kiddos again and and so as you as you land as we're getting ready to touch down and you look out on the right side and there's the Charlotte skyline and the sun setting behind it's a good sunset and you come down through the clouds and every time you go through the clouds it gets a little bumpy and you start start praying a little bit more uh, during the bumps, and then you're through the bumps, and it smooths out again, and you, you land. So now, bump, 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 and smooth. You're on the ground. Now, now I don't even need to tell you what to do because you're all doing the same thing. You're doing everybody on the plane is doing the same thing. What are you doing? You're, you're checking your device because for the last two hours, you didn't want to pay for the go-and-go in-flight internet. And so for, whew, 
Uh, this even feels stressful to say, for two hours of your life. <laughs> like somebody could have been texting you and you didn't even know it. The Instagram photo that you posted of your vacation right before you took off, two hours has gone by and you don't know if anybody liked it. <laughs> and you are, you, are breathe, you are breathing and you're telling yourself, you're telling yourself to calm down and you, you, grab that, you grab that phone and you turn it on and depending on which device and which carrier up in the left-hand corner of your phone says something like this, like searching for connection. Searching for connection. And that basically describes us. We go through this to different degrees during different periods of our life, but uh, your first day of kindergarten as, as much as you were searching for the Play-Doh, you were searching for connection. Your first day of middle school at a new school, you weren't searching for the science lab. You were searching for connection. Your, your question wasn't, wow, how great is my math class going to be? It's who am I going to have lunch with? And if you have ever walked into a new church or a new city or a new job or a new school, you understand how important that is. And church, this is so important, so important that Jesus said it was like the most important. And he didn't distinguish. So this is, this is crazy, right? So like the, when the question was asked to Jesus, Jesus, there's a lot of st great stuff written in the Old Testament, but what's the most important? What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he really didn't even make a distinction between one and two. And so I know that this sounds blasphemous to say, but I almost wanted to title this message, Jesus is not all you need. And, and that didn't get a lot of amens because you felt blasphemous saying that. But think about this biblically. If, if, if Jesus were all we need, then Jesus wouldn't have added the love your neighbor part to that equation. Are you tracking with me? Um, uh, relationships in our life are more important than we think. They're more, they're more spiritual than we think. They're more about breakthrough than, than we think. I read the story the other day about a, a Navy SEAL by the name of Mark, and, and Mark had uh, gone through all of the training and gone through all the final testing, and the final test of the final testing was is this swim through the, the ocean. And so they're, they're sleep-deprived, they're physically exhausted, their emotions are, are just depleted, they've been torn down and to be built back up and all of this. And, and Mark made it to the other side, but as he gets out of the water, he looks back at his buddy Bryce, and as Bryce tells the story, Bryce, Bryce hit the wall. And if you have ever worked out to the point of physical exhaustion, you know what I'm talking about. You know, like when you're doing the, the reps and when somebody, you're like looking up at your buddy, like if you don't, if you don't get this bar off of my chest, have you, have you, <laughs> have you ever been to the point where you were done and like you had to roll the bar down? That's encouraging, right? And you're looking around like jacked guys all around you. You're like, just roll. Because <laughs> like when you, 
Like when you hit that wall, you hit a wall, and Bryce had hit the wall, and he said, I had, no, I had nothing. And imagine the emotions of Bryce. He had put his life into this. He'd put all this training into this. He'd put all this effort into this. And now all of a sudden, he was not going to be a Navy SEAL. And as he was like sinking, as he was going under, Bryce says, my eyes for one partial second locked with Mark. And all this is all Mark did. A fist pump and a shout. And he said that in that moment, it was that relational connection that gave him an energy that he didn't even know where it came from. Have you ever been there? Maybe you didn't train for the Navy SEALs, but maybe you were there emotionally or, or, or when the diagnosis came through or when the kids were walking through a difficult season and there you said, I, God, I don't even know if I can make it. And there was a relational connection that took you further than you thought you could go. Can I preach this to somebody this morning who's discouraged you have more in you than you think you do? But it's going to take a key relational connection to bring it out of you. Remember, we talked about we can be connected to varying degrees. So there's, there's this quadrant of connection. And, and Dr. Cloud talks about that we can have no connection. We can feel very lonely and we can feel isolated. Or we can have bad connection. Sometimes in our fear of not being connected, we, would, we think that it is better to be connected in a bad relationship in the, instead of no relationship. And so that's why you have people living in abusive relationships that won't get out of the abusive relationship and when and, and it doesn't even have to be abusive maybe maybe it's just emotionally abusive it doesn't have to be physically abusive maybe it's emotionally abusive so when you're around somebody else they make you through perfectionism or through uh, guilt or through shame or through whatever you feel inferior when you're around them or we can have pseudo good connection we talked about this last week that that this is a danger a danger especially for all of us but to those who are in helps professions where we mistake the fact that somebody needs us for the the truth that we have a good connection the, the truth is this morning God wants to move all of us into good connection into good connection this is so important let me explain it this way this is important not only for us where we are at as a, as a family, as tribes that come together as a family, but this is important to reach with Davidson and Cabarrus County, those 237,000 people that don't know Jesus yet. So let me, let me explain it like this. In, in the 1950s, here is how people usually found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So in the 1950s, people came to church out of, out of obligation, out of responsibility. So even if they really didn't believe in God, um, it was like the social thing to do or the responsible American thing to do. And so a lot of people come, came to church out, out of social reasons or out of just uh, patriotic reasons. And so they would come to the church and the preacher would stand up and give the altar call and at, at the end of the service. And he said, if you wanted to give your heart to Jesus Christ, would you meet me right down here? at the altar. How many of you remember that? How many of you came to Christ under something like that? So what wonderful, wonderful methodology there. But, and then the second step to that, so that was, the, that was the believe. And then, and then they had to get you to behave. So you said yes to Jesus, but you were still all kinds of messed up. And, and so they took you into a 12-week discipleship class. Do you remember this? 
You remember this? And so after you said yes to Jesus, and then after you walked through the 12-week discipleship class, then you became a member of the church, then you could belong. Remember those days? So the believe and then behave and then belong. And again, that was wonderful. It worked then. It just doesn't work now because have you noticed in our society that people, that people want to belong before they believe? People are connected. So here is the universal need of all mankind. Yes, ultimately the universal need is the need for Jesus. But some people who woke up this morning and are not in church don't realize their need for Jesus. But they do realize their need to belong. And that's why they were where they were last night. And, may it, and it may be the reason they're not in church this morning. Are you, tra- are you tracking? And so here's what, here's what I see happening all over this county, all over the Davidson area is that maybe the first step for somebody before they walk into a church, it may be walking into that running group that meets on Tuesday morning because they'll come run with you or they'll come to a home group or they'll come play pickleball. Have you, like pickleball's the thing now. I don't, have you know, pickleball? Does anybody play pickleball? Like, really? You don't know about pickleball. We have a pickleball small group. It's apparently like, I think, my dad plays pickleball. I don't know exactly what it is. It sounds like tennis I don't, like, it sounds like tennis to me, but maybe not quite tennis. But we got, like, all of the, we got disc golf groups and and workout groups and home groups and uh, home groups, activity groups, support groups, study groups. And so do you understand that if we're going to reach all of the people in this county that God has called us to reach, we're going to to need to move from addition to multiplication and to multiply. And, And that's when people come in and they begin to belong and they begin to get connected into relationship. And then we have the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ uh, through the studies they've they've done they say tell us how how beneficial relationships are to us but true connection in our lives affects how long you live it affects whether or not you reach your goals how much money you make how well your kids do in school how you cope with stress or failure what kind of mood you're in, how much physical pain you experience, what and how you think. And so let's go to our theme verse over these next two weeks. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And this is God writing this truth through the Apostle Paul that I think is pretty interesting. So Paul, Paul writes this to the Thessalonian church. Because we loved you so much... We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel. Do you see this? Do you see how important relationships are? That even the apostle, like type A, you know, like there's relationship people and task people. And I don't know that Paul ever took a personality profile, but I'm just guessing for Paul, high D. Like task, I'm going to get some things done and we will run over a few people in the process and apologize to them afterwards. You know, like that, that's Paul. Paul isn't, John, John is the apostle, like he's the apostle. He describes himself as the one that Jesus loved and talks about sitting next to Jesus at the table and reclining against it. So John is highly relational, but Paul is like full force. We got a, we got a job to do. We got a task to do. And so Type A, task-driven, Paul says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. 
Paul realizes how important this connection. So let me give you this morning five things, how to have great friends and thriving relationships from scripture. Here's the hint is be what you want. Whatever you want in life, be, be that to somebody else. Number one, have pure motives. In verse 3, Paul says, For the appeal we make to you does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. This is something that God's been dealing with me about lately. Because I have found that I can want the right thing for the wrong reason. Isn't that frustrating? You're like, you finally get your desires on track and want the right thing. And now you got to look even deeper into your heart and say, but I want that thing for selfish reasons. Got to go back to the prayer room and let's get the motives taken care of. And here's what, here's what the Lord I feel like would show us this morning is that if you want great and thriving relationships in your life, you have to want things for people more than you want things from people. So, and now watch this because this is how relationships work spiritually. There's a spiritual dynamic to relationships is that when you want things for people more than you want things from people, God will help you get what you help other people get. And so you come into a relationship saying, I could either rely on my resources or God's resources. And so there's somebody that's lonely. I'm going to help them be not lonely. And oh my goodness, in the midst of that, God helps me not be lonely. So all, all, all of this flows. Number, number two, number two is this, be more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing people. Now that's, that sounds backwards, doesn't it? But Paul writes this in verse four. He says, we are not trying to please people, but God. Now, you would think logically, if here's the end goal, the end goal is that I have friends. So let's back up and just logically think, so if I have friends, then that means I need people to like me. And if I need people to like me, then that means that I need to do things in order to please them so that they will like me in order for me to have a friend. Does that make sense? And that's how most of the world works and operates. But I want to show you the problem with that. And so if this is my, my group of friends here and if I want you guys to like me, and so I try to find out what you like, and I act in a way that I think that you want me to act so that you'll like me, okay, now I've got that down, but then I've got, oh, I've got my, my, my balcony friends up here, and they want something different out of me than you guys did, and so I got to find out what pleases you, and now I got to act that way in order to please you, and here's what happens is that you don't end up liking me, you end up liking what I can do for you. And then also, here's what happens. You like me, but because I have to change in order for you to like me, you might like me, but I don't like me. And now when I don't like me, I project my negative self-thoughts and feelings about myself onto the relationship, and now it's all kinds of messed up. Do you see this? And so that's why Paul says, that's why Paul says, I love Paul, because Paul says, it is not about pleasing people, and yet Paul has some of the greatest relationships in all of Scripture. So here's what God wants you to know. You don't have to be a people pleaser for people to like you. And, and I just, I feel this this morning that some of you have been operating as people pleasers, and God is just going to break that off of you to the left and to the right, and you are going to get free, and he's going to show you God's not only going to do it, he's going to show you how to do it. So Paul writes, we're not trying to please people. 
Well, great, Paul, that's the goal. I want to live there too. How do I do it? There's a phrase before and a phrase after in verse 4 that is going to give us the key. So let's read all of verse 4. Paul says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God. Say approved. Approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So approved by God on one hand, tests our hearts on the other. And if you learn the secrets of these, then you'll learn the freedom of not having to please people. So approved by God. Approved by God. Let me explain it to you like this. So if you're newly, newly married, say like three years into marriage, and, and you, you had a little bit of student loan debt, you paid that off, and now you're ready to, to buy a house. You're ready to buy your first house. So you saved up 10%, and you chose a house where the mortgage is going to be on a 15-year fixed loan uh, that is no more than 25% of your take-home pay, because I'm going to preach a little Dave Ramsey in, in this message too. And, and, but but you, do need, you do need a mortgage. What if, what if you getting that house and you, I mean, you just, you just love this. I mean, you're just looking at this through the eyes of Chip and Joanna Gaines and you see, you see in the spirit, you see shiplap and, and you, and you see that farm table in your kitchen and you're just, you're like, God, you're, you're driving by that house. You, got, you take an Occupy sticker and you slap it on the mailbox. You're like, come on, this is. But what if, what if you getting that, that dream little starter home depends on the approval of the banker down at Fifth Third? Now you're thinking, okay, I got to get a mortgage, so I got to go down to meet the branch manager at Fifth Third. And I haven't worn a tie since my wedding day. And you pull up a YouTube video to remind you how to tie a tie. And, and you had an, uh, an omelet with onions in it for breakfast. And so your, your pockets are just packed with Mentos and, and, and Wrigley Spearmint gum. And, and you walk down there and you're rehearsing in your mind. You've got your file folder with your back taxes from the last three years. And you've got the handshake and look them in the eye. And you've got all of this down. And you're, you're nervous because what, because what you want is dependent upon their approval. Okay, but let's, let's switch this scenario a little bit. What if you did all of that work online? And what if you still had a meeting with the banker, but that meeting's purpose was different because you got an email saying, we need you to go down to your local bank to sign some papers, but congratulations because you are pre-approved. Do, do you see the difference? Now you're walking out of your house in your comfy pants. <laughs> and you're eating a cheeseburger and you're saying double the onions and I don't even need, I don't even need any breath treatment. It's a, it's a, so you walk in there and you're still friendly and you're still respectful, but you're a little more relaxed and you're a little more confident because you are pre-approved. And, and the Apostle Paul's trying to tell somebody this morning that the reason I can walk with confidence is because I am pre, I am pre-approved. Come on, are there any pre-approved people out there that you say, I don't need your approval because my God already approves of me? 
It changes, it'll change the way you approach relationships as if you get up in the morning and say, I want you to like me, I hope you like me, but if the, at the end of the day you don't like me, my self-worth is not based on your approval, I'm, pre I'm pre-approved. Come on, tell, tell your neighbor, I'm pre-approved. I'm pre-approved. God has already approved of you. It'll change the dynamic of your relationship. And then, so Paul says, I'm already approved by God. So watch, watch how free I walk in relationships. And then he says, at the end of the day, it's God who tests my heart. And can I give this nugget to leaders in the room? Leaders, it's not that you will stop caring about the people under you. It's just that you'll care more what God thinks of you. And that's how you will be able to make really tough decisions that affect people's lives. And yes, you're going to make them if you're a coach or a teacher or a parent or a boss or any of the, in any of those situations. You're going to make decisions that affect people's lives and it's going to hurt and you're going to cry over it. But you're going to be able to make the decision because at the end of the day, it's not their approval that you desire. It's God's approval. And when you go home at night, it's not, watch this, it's not that you care less it's that you care more see some some of us well what's the antidote to being a people pleaser well I could I could care less I could care less what people think no that's just called being a jerk is what that's called <laughs> the opposite of being a people pleaser is not being a jerk the opposite of being a people pleaser is not to care less it's actually to care more and it's and it's just that you're able to make tough decisions about your children and about family members and about boundaries in relationships because you care more what God thinks about you. And you answer to him and that will free you. You're pre-approved. You begin, begin every day with I'm pre-approved and you end every day with, hey Jesus, did I do everything that you wanted me to do? And that will absolutely set you free from being a people pleaser and you'll walk with such freedom and your relationships will be better and you'll it, it, just just flow in that just flow in that number number three don't wear a mask don't wear a mask verse five uh, says you know we never used flattery nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed God is our witness see a mask is like a cast and underneath a cast, two things happen. The muscles get weaker and the skin starts to stink. And when we wear masks in our relationship, our real self, the self that God created you to be, atrophies. It gets weaker and then it starts to stink. And people don't want to be like, like if you got a cast on your left arm and you've been in that cast for about 10 weeks, everybody wants to be on this side of you. So, so we, take off, we begin to take off your masks in an appropriate level with appropriate relationships. That's important. Don't go out into the lobby and do this. Don't do this. I'm free. I'm going to take off my mask and just start yelling everything about your life. That isn't going to help. <laughs> that isn't going to help at all. But in, in appropriate relationships, appropriate, your, your intimate relationships are as good as your level of vulnerability in the relationship. And so as long as you keep wearing the mask, your relationship will always just keep butting up against that level of, of, uh, 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 of a wall. 
but when we remove our mask, it allows us to become vulnerable. Here's the, the fourth thing. Don't be needy. <laughs> don't, don't be needy. Um, Paul says we're not looking for praise from people, not you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have uh, asserted that authority. See, here's, here's the thing about if you have need, like if you live out of a needy place, understand this, that I'm needy only comes in one hue, in one tone. It's neon, okay? So, so you're like, if you are so, ne- if you are so emotionally needy in relationships, you might think, uh, I'm going to hide that. No, you're not. And some of you are like, yeah, I was on a date with that person that, this last Friday. Like you will take, I'm, I'm, you, broadca- you broadcast this. Have you, have you noticed this? So let, let me explain it like this. And here's what, it, here's what it does. So I'm needy is not only neon, but it weighs a whole lot. And if we live out of our need, then we will project that onto other people. So if I'm hanging out with John, and let's just say, for instance, that I can't stand basketball. I don't like basketball, but just, just for the sake of the, the conversation, I can't stand. I think that Dr. Naismith was evil, that this game was, was just, it's an inappropriate game, and why are they playing this game? And in the 1970s, those socks were way too high, and the shorts were way too short, and that's just, it's got bad roots, and I just, I don't want to have anything to do with basketball. And so, John, I can't stand basketball, but I'm going to go to a basketball game with you, and my expectation now is because I'm with you and you like basketball that I'm going to have the time of my life and that I'm going to love basketball. John is going to go to exactly zero basketball games with me. Can Can I preach this to your marriage? Can I preach this? So if you're walking into your marriage wearing this sign and your expectation is I didn't like myself, but I'm going to stand at an altar and say I do, and now you're going to meet and fulfill all of my needs, and I'm going to love myself. Are you tracking with me? If you walk into friendships and relationships, I am such a miserable person. I'm needy, but as soon as I get into this group of friends, then they're going to fulfill all of my needs. See, you have to understand this biblically and theologically is that Adam, first relationship. So the origins of a relationship, the origins of anything tell you how something works. And so if you want to know how how relationship works, you've got to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden to where God creates relationships. God created Adam and Adam didn't need a rib. All right? If that was the case, Adam would have been walking around in his life like ribless. And he would have said, like, I'm not, I am not complete, I am not whole, and I need to find somebody to take a rib from. But, but a lot of people think that that's how relationships work. They walk around with this empty ribless space in them, and they say, I, when I meet somebody, when I'm, I'm single now, but when I meet somebody, I'm going to take a rib. And that's not how relationships work. Relationships work like this. You don't take a rib out of your need. You give a rib out of your excess. So, so do you, do Adam, Adam, Adam walked around feeling like he had the best ribs ever. Adam walked around feeling like he just, he just left the smoke pit. 
like he just he just left chilies with baby back ribs with with sweet and smoky sauce like he said he said i got all, i got all you can eat ribs like I got so many, I got so many. And you, Adam lived in this way that he was able to give in his relationships out of the excess and not feel like he had to take in his life. And so if you want good relationships, don't operate out of need, operate out of a fulfilled relationship with Jesus. And once Jesus comes in and fulfills that relationship and gives you all the ribs that you need, then you can share your ribs with somebody else. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you have a limited supply of ribs, then you're keeping away everybody from your plate. I remember, remember when your children were young and you didn't mind sharing with them before they got appetites. <laughs> and then, and then you're looking around saying, you're just, your goal is not a conversation. Your goal is to finish your plate before they finish theirs. But that's a, that's a scarcity mentality. And if we walk into relationships with a scarcity mentality, then we'll, we'll, operate, we'll operate like that. See, see, significant relationships in our lives are an extension. This is the rib, the rib principle. Significant relationships in your life are an extension of who you already are. So that hurts a little bit because now in close relationships, it may be that the very thing that I think that I don't like about the other person is actually the thing that I don't like about myself. And if, if you don't like your own ribs, then you're not going to like somebody else's ribs. So you learn to love Jesus and you learn to love yourself and then you live out of that place as an extension of who you are. Here's the final thing. Be number five, to have great relationships, thriving relationships. Be like a childhood best friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.